Hi everyone, welcome back to the New Managers Club podcast. You are listening to episode 10. We are in double digits, people, and I am excited about it. In case you don't know by now, I'm Ali. And I'm Molly. And it's a good thing that this is an audio recording and not a video because Molly is fresh off the back of laser eye surgery. Molly, how are you feeling today? Wonderful. So it's been just over 24 hours and my vision is insane. Like the level of detail that I can see and stuff. I can see the blades of grass and leaves on the trees. The blades of grass. Like, you know, like, because you've got, if you've got, like, impaired vision, normally the grass just looks like, you know, a blob of green. And even with glasses, it wasn't quite as enhanced as it is. And I, I even yesterday afternoon, when I was still in, like, a lot of pain still, I looked out the window and I could see, like, the blades of grass in the front garden. I was like, oh, my God, oh. this is amazing. And, so, yeah, going out today is just, like... Everything just feels a lot more, I don't know, real and alive oh, and defined. Yeah, HD. Defined. HD. Living in HD now. Amazing. Highly recommend. I really wish you were wearing your goggles today, though. Oh, yeah. I have to wear goggles to sleep for a whole week now. A <laughs> week? Mm, yeah. How do you sleep in goggles? It's really quite uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sleep on your front, do you? I do. Do so you? I have to, like tilt my head right to the side so I can make it work with the goggles because I cannot sleep on my back. I don't, if anyone does that, how? I Me? Do you? I don't understand how you can sleep on your front. I think I'd feel like I was suffocating because I like to have big pillows. Mm-hmm. Is your face in the pillow? Like, how does it work? More often than not, I don't use my pillow. I like slide. What? No. 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 Slide down the bed and then I just don't. I have it like on, bouncing on the top of my head. That's <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> I could not sleep like that. There's no way. Super comfy. No, it's not. That doesn't sound comfy. I could fall asleep in seconds on my front, but it would take me days to fall asleep lying on my back. Christ. No, I can't do that. There's no way. On my side is my like preferred. I like yeah. like. So if you sleep on your left. Supposed to be good for like circulation. I do sleep on my left. Oh, well done. Oh, oh lovely. Well, isn't it funny because I can't sleep as well on my right. Maybe that's why. Mm, yeah, I definitely have. Yeah, preferred sides. Preferred side. Even like to pop my head on even on my front. Mm. Okay, so welcome back to the Good Sleep Podcast. (laughs) Is this what you're here for today? I'm sure it was. Uh, We are not talking about how important sleep is for good management style, though that's probably one that we can add to the list. We know that good sleep is super important. I hope everyone is very well rested today when they're tuning in. Um, Today we're going to actually be talking about what I think is one of the most daunting things you have to do as a manager, which is set the culture in your team. What is a good team culture and what can you do when things go sour? Let's talk about it. And don't forget, we share a resource we've learned from at the end of every episode. So make sure you tune in until the end to hear that. And guess what? It's official. You're part of the club. So Molly, in your opinion, how important is team culture? I think it's really important and I think even if your company has a good culture different teams can have very different cultures and so you could ask one team oh you know how would how do you define the company culture here like it could vary massively even in departments between teams so yeah I think it massively impacts people's experience of the company it impacts how long people will stay with the company how Mm. dedicated they are to their work it's everything I think no pressure (laughs) (laughs) it's true though because as a manager I think this is quite an easy thing to forget when often as a manager we're dealing with more senior stakeholders maybe with a senior leadership team or board or you know we're managing up that stakeholder chain for people that are within our teams at a more junior level 
a lot of the time the manager is like their whole experience of a company or at least you know the majority of their experience and so how that person sets and defines culture and lives the Mm -hmm. culture can to your point completely impact what they actually think the culture is strange isn't it it is it's weird how it must and it's not something I'd really thought about before coming into this role but it, Mm. it has always been the manager impacts how I feel about company for sure yeah it's funny isn't it so when you took up your role was a priority for you kind of setting that team culture did you have a vision in mind was it something you knew a lot about or had that really strong idea of how you wanted your team's culture to be weirdly no it wasn't something that I thought about at all I don't think that is weird because I don't think many people do think about it Mm -hmm. to your point it's not something that you would think about before you came into a role probably and it's actually again something that not a lot of people kind of talk about or share experiences of that's sure um yeah that makes so much sense and I was so focused on the technical skills yeah and getting the job done and also because I was promoted into the role I already knew people in my team I had a very good relationship with them already Mm. and the culture within the team was already good so I didn't feel like it was something that I had to actively work on because we were all quite friendly anyway. But yeah, no, it didn't cross my mind at all, really. So did that feel like an existing culture that you wanted to kind of cultivate and continue? And was that a weird dynamic? Like knowing that someone else had set the course and you then had to kind of either follow in their footsteps or decide to make a change? Yeah, I think even then, it's not something that I thought about at all. I was so focused on... The technical side of it and making sure that I could do my job people were doing their job that and it, it all happened so naturally that it's not even didn't even cross my mind but having watched you build your own team from scratch I've seen that that's something you're very good at creating oh thank you I appreciate that mm. I think it was very different having the opportunity to build my team from scratch because there wasn't an existing culture I had to navigate. There wasn't, you know, I, I know you talked about it being a very good culture in your team, but a lot of times there can be kind of like bad blood or, you know, mm. things that have happened previously that then as a manager you have to kind of reset the course for yeah. and change perceptions, change attitude, change change opinions about um, how a team is run, how a company is run. So I think not having any of those preconceptions mm-hmm. definitely helped me in being new to the role with the new team it was kind of like okay we're literally blank slate here what do we want this to be and that probably was easier which probably why you think I'm good at it because it was so much the the challenge was a lot easier than if I had been trying to change something I think that's quite that's harder compared to just starting from scratch um but it's interesting because I also didn't really have an idea of what I wanted the culture in my team to be but I think that is one of the things that helped me the most because I was completely flexible to knowing that it would be very much dictated by who was in my team like it wasn't as though Mm. I set out to achieve a team that was you know xyz it was like okay let's work together to define what we really want this to be Mm. um and I do think as much as having a vision and being consistent is super important you know I know I want my team to be agile adaptable I want them to have really flexible working patterns and to make sure that they feel completely comfortable in their role in what they're doing I also want them to be high performing and efficient and that is a really important part of it for me as well um I think that's something really important 
that you've just mentioned there, like what actually is culture? What do we mean yeah. when we say that? And yeah. I think the things that you've just listed are probably key parts. Do you think there's anything else that you'd really define as part of what does it mean to build a good culture? Well, I personally, and this is very much kind of coloured by my own experience, but I think the most important thing for a culture is knowing your team, like mm-hmm. taking that time to really discover what is important to them because ultimately you can set out with a certain list of values that are probably your own values. So mm-hmm. um, for me, it is things like um, passion, dedication um, and commitment. And then on the other side, that kind of like um, hardworking, efficient uh, accuracy, like that kind of, those things mm-hmm. are super important to me as well. Um, but those are my values. And if I tried to impose them on a team who might be incredibly good at their jobs but don't have the same values as me that's not going to work we're always going to be at loggerheads it's not going to happen whereas I was kind of forced in being dealt three new people at once like three completely brand new team members who I had to induct into the company and set a kind of charter for a new team for um it was like okay let's get to know each other and work out what's going to work for all of us because I I know we've talked about colour works before and about discovery insights, which is if you haven't listened to that episode, it's a um kind of like to say a personality test makes it sound really like one of those things you do on like BuzzFeed, which is not how it is, but it is essentially like that. It's kind of learning your competencies, capabilities, your strengths, your weaknesses, how you like to be worked with and things that don't work so well for you. So um doing that early on was super important for me to know what my team wanted from me and what I wanted from them. Um, but looking at those Colorworks profiles, they are all very, very different to me. So I kind of knew from that point, it, this isn't going to work if I just kind of mandate what I want and don't listen to them. Um, but something that we did do after the Colorworks profiles were created was do a discovery day as a team, which was so good for learning more about each other, interpreting the profiles properly and then what we actually did was um sat down and wrote a team charter together um oh. wrote things that we really wanted to achieve as a team what was most important to us and what our values were and some kind of mantras that we could fall back on when times got tough when things didn't go to plan or when things um felt like we weren't making as much progress as we wanted to i love that i feel like we should share a version of that on our okay for anyone else that feels they sort of need a guide for that yeah sort of thing. it is funny though because one thing i would say about charters and things like that is like <laughs> this it's gonna make me sound like a really bad manager now i haven't looked at it since like i haven't it's not as though i like every monday morning i'm like right let everyone let's look back at our team charter this is what we want to achieve i don't think that works i don't think that works for anyone it feels too kind of like preschool to me yeah. but just that process of no, working no, no, no. out the first time I don't think you need to keep going back to it actually probably after the conversation I, I might go back to it now um, and maybe my team do I don't know but just the process of working through it the first time and actually mm. even if it doesn't make a difference to how you work together but even just knowing that you've had the opportunity to say this is what we want yeah is incredibly powerful I think mm. but in terms of what makes a good culture to me I think it's being adaptive not just in the culture but is in with team members with projects um being fair that is a really I always say to my team I think I'm firm but fair Mm -hmm. like I will give very honest feedback but that goes both ways yes I'll tell you if something's wrong but I will equally tell you if something 
is incredibly right and you've done an amazing job like I want I want you know the rough with the smooth um and both sides of that because I don't think it's fair to give too much of one or the other I don't Mm. think that helps anyone um and then that last one for me is like passion and care yeah someone that cares about what they're doing will ultimately in my mind do a better job than someone that doesn't and that person that doesn't could be more qualified more experienced more highly skilled ultimately if you don't care for me it's there's no point like why are you doing it so those things are probably the most important for me in terms of a team culture what about you because you said that the culture in your team before you took it over was good so what did that good culture look like and was there anything that you did to kind of evolve it when you stepped into the role I think because I was already part of the culture, it was just sort of keeping it going. going, And I think it was um, just a culture of openness. We could yeah. have quite honest discussions with each other about how things were going, what was working, what wasn't. It was very open communication. Another thing that I quite liked about the team is that there was this culture of sort of we were friends, like I felt mm. like I was good friends with my manager as well as um, them being the manager. And up until recently, I think a lot of people are of the, of the opinion that you cannot be friends with people in your team. I was just going to ask you if you think it's a good thing or a bad thing to be friends with your direct reports. And it's an interesting one because I remember being told really early on when I came into this management role, be careful. Yeah. There's a cert- they were worried about a certain relationship I had with somebody and they just said, someone you know more senior than me had said, just be careful of that. And I think different leaders will have very different opinions on this. But I listened to a podcast yesterday, Diary of a CEO, and the person speaking was basically saying that um, you can absolutely be friends with people in your team as long as you have that sort of drive to make them bigger and better and push them forward. Absolutely. Why would you not want to be friends with people in your team? And I think part of it comes from this whole old school way of doing business. Like you have to be firm and authoritative, but you like this totally maybe feel like sort of less bad about them. I feel like I was trying to be sort of like wary of not crossing boundaries before I obviously you still don't want to like overshare or anything mm. because ultimately it's your colleagues and you know you don't want to cross a line into sort of unprofessionalism but you you absolutely can be friends with somebody in your team you can absolutely be friends with your manager and your colleagues and I would highly highly recommend going listening to this episode I think it was episode 140 but we will link it in the show notes and we'll um, drop it in on our socials as well because he had some incredible things to say about people in management um but that was one of the key takeaways because I've sort of felt that pressure in the past from this comment that was made to me to be careful about relationships Mm. but you don't need to be why would you not want to come and work with a group of people that you're friends with that are so, so passionate about the same thing every single day. That's what makes me like working here because everyone has such a, is so friendly and it's quite social. And yeah, I think not taking on that old school way of thinking and thinking, oh, I sh- this is what I should be doing. This is how I should be doing that. That how, like, yes, people that are more experienced will have experienced things and that's why they're telling you not to be friends. But I think, you know, there's there's definitely balance there. And also another thing that he said that was quite important because people were saying, oh, well, we sometimes have to give bad feedback to people mm. and, and fire them so you don't want to be too friendly. But he was saying that you don't get people who offer, you know, there are exceptions to this for sure, but they're not 
bad people or you know it's just that that job isn't right for them Mm. and as your friend Mm. the kindest thing that you could do for that person was to say that's not for you Mm. that's not the best fit for you that was my mistake putting you in that position with that role I'm going to let you go because that's the kindest thing I can do for you as your friend and so much of what he said just was so good so good so you should all go and listen to that episode but um yeah creating that culture of friendship and openness and like you can talk to each other without feeling judged or there's going to be you know negative backlash after if you've been open and honest about something it's interesting that you say I mean I could talk about like boundaries and friendships and stuff Mm -hmm. like that in teams for ages because I think it's so interesting I do think that in general management has got friendlier Mm -hmm. like I think the general trend in management and leadership is to care is to show kindness to people um and make that a priority in your leadership style like I think that is that is probably changed forever in terms of the management space and I hope that that will continue I would probably reframe what you said as friendship as being trust because I kind of think is it's interesting I know I've talked it on this podcast before about kind of setting boundaries with being friends with people in your team and I think I shared that one of my friends expressed concern about kind of how friendly I've been with someone in my team and whether that was the right thing to do but actually the way that I think about it now because I think friendship is one of those words that people go like oh yeah you don't want to be friends to your point people kind of warn you about it and they say oh don't do that it's not the right thing to do um for me it's trust and obviously I trust all of my friends so to me they kind of like go hand in hand um and I think having that culture of trust and mutual respect is the best foundation to build really meaningful relationships that don't you don't have to call them friendships if you're not comfortable with that I think after hearing some words of warning which I think were very like well placed and probably were just a result of the kind of culture of organization that um this person that kind of advised me had been in um which I think is fair because I'm not going to always work in a culture like the culture that we have and there might be instances where I do need to set boundaries um but for me it's about having those trustful respectful relationships with the people in my team and I would call them my friends but that's not to say like oh we've got this amazing friendship like it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be perceived in that way or you know get any of the judgment that can sometimes come with that if that makes sense and it also helps me to feel like I'm a little bit more protected yeah if that makes sense I think there are so many different kinds of friends yeah I agree with that you can have work friends and that doesn't cross over into home time but yeah they're still your friends you can have mum friends you can have school mum friends you can have office you know yeah, I've got so are, many school mum friends <laughs> <laughs> but there are so many different groups of people and you can have you could have boundaries with you mm. know all those different types of ones and I I think what you define as like a typical friendship of someone that you might have from someone at school like that's you've grown up with that person yeah. and they know like everything about your life yeah. and I think as part of you know growing up as well is that there are many different different types of friendships and people that are in your life for different reasons that was very profound <laughs> <laughs> that was profound was it yeah was that good yeah <laughs> It was. I think we've got a bit off topic, but there doesn't Well, it's friendships, matter. connections in the world. I know, I'm joking. Culture. I'm joking. It's just funny, isn't it? Because I do think that 
that it can like cross over into a place that is unhealthy in some situations like you know those cultures where people are like oh we're like a family and like oh we're so you're so close like you could do you know what I mean it's just there are some situations where things like that can get to a place that doesn't feel appropriate yeah I think although I'm I have been in the past the sort of person that's not very good at saying no and all these things like I think I have quite good boundaries mm. And I just, like I, like I said before, like I don't share more than I want to be shared with me. Like in the nicest possible way, I feel like I do share a lot. Mm. But I think just having, knowing what you are and aren't comfortable with, for different people are comfortable with different things. Yeah. They? It's funny, isn't it? Because do you ever feel like you've got to a point where having an open culture within your team has got you to a place that you weren't comfortable with? No. You've never been in a situation where someone has like overshared or you've been put in a situation that you don't think is appropriate or perhaps a kind of a line is being crossed in terms of respect nothing like that has happened since you've been a manager I've experienced it before where there's people that I don't connect with on the same level Mm. as other people that I've managed before and that's a weird one to navigate um but actually and I thought that was something that I would find harder than I did yeah I thought, you know, going into the team, I know that I clash with that personality type. That's going to be really rough for me. But actually, it was fine. Mm. You just, you know, we're all grown ups. We make it work. Mm. It was fine. It wasn't. It wasn't an issue at all. I really thought I'm not going to enjoy that. But it was fine. Mm. Were there any situations that that kind of put you in that weren't okay? I think there were times when, because we didn't have the same values, there were there were things like rumour spreading mm. um, that made me feel quite uncomfortable mm. things that were talking about sensitive information regarding other people in the place that we work that was spread that I had to you know have difficult conversations with um, and about but it was nothing that can't be handled Yeah. and I think if you're strong in your values knowing like we don't do that here mm. it's not not that hard not something and that's what we like you know about this friendship not that I would say that I had a friendship with this person but your boundaries like that is a boundary that was crossed for me we do not discuss other people's personal information or their job security in like that is a no-go we Mm. don't do that Mm. and so you're just being clear in your own head of okay what's too far and you don't you don't even really necessarily need to think about in advance you'll know when your boundaries have been crossed you'll Mm. know when it's time to say no that's too far do you think it's okay to have different relationships with different people in your team? I think you have to be quite careful mm. of that. And I think you have to be quite careful of how that's displayed to other people. Yeah. Because it could create a culture of um, not bitchiness exactly, but it can lead there. And I think it can lead to people feeling like others have an unfair advantage. Yeah. And like they have a sort of like an easier ride to get to the top than yes. the others. But. I think as I've sort of gone through my career, I'm not, you know, I'm not really far down the line into my career in the scale of things relatively early on. That's just how it goes. And if you're one of those people that can build connections and relationships with the right people, you're going to advance faster than the people that don't. It's just good networking, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, to an extent. I think as a manager, you obviously have to make sure that you're being fair to everybody. But if there's, you know, a particular person that you 
really get on with and go out for a coffee with on a Saturday and you wouldn't the others. It's not the end of the world. It's not like you're giving them a promotion over the others. I think you have to be. <laughs> I thought you were going to say giving them blood then. I don't know why. <laughs> when you said giving, I was like, giving blood, donating blood. It's <laughs> um, like, yeah, that would be a bit far. Yeah, no, we're not, we're not donating blood. We may be giving pay rises. <laughs> but yeah, just making sure that work-wise, you're not biased towards the people yes. you're friends with, which I think could be hard. I've not been in a situation before where that's come up. Um, but you do, don't you? You always want the best for the people that you're closest with. And I imagine that would be quite hard. Have you ever experienced that? I think the only thing that kind of comes out in my team is proximity bias like I think that is the only thing is in the people that I have more regular conversations with more often like connections with other people that I tend to go to more the people that I tend to have more open Mm -hmm. connections with and build those like meaningful interactions Mm -hmm. that's the only thing that tends to affect it for me is literally like how regularly do we keep in touch Mm. or connect with one another like if that drops off it's very easy to lose a sense of connection with that person I don't necessarily think because I mean I manage quite a small team it's not as though I've got like 15 people I could hand out Mm. promotions to and also we're we've got quite a kind of set structure we don't within our organization at the moment there's it's a small company so there's not you know a million opportunities Mm. to advance but there's lots of other opportunities to develop yourself which I think I give indiscriminately to people but also I do think it's very much like guided by them less me because ultimately if you ask me for something unless there's a very reasonable explanation as to why I can't give it to you like budget or I don't know, resource or, you know, that there's a, a kind of finite reason that I can put my finger on as to why it's not going to happen. I will do everything in my power to give it to you. But if you don't ask me, mm-hmm. like, don't ask, don't get, you know, I don't think it's so much guided by me being like, oh, well, actually, I went out with them last Thursday night. Let's give them this exciting project or this pay rise or this. Not that that even happens anyway, but, yeah. you know, there, there's not even a hypothetical where that happens. It's more like, well, actually, they told me they wanted something like this. They've expressed an interest in advancing. We've had very open conversations about what their aspirations are. So I know that this aligns with everything that they've told me in terms of the information that they've given. So it would make sense for it to go that way. Or equally, if someone hasn't expressed anything or they haven't been open with me about what they want or I don't get much from them in terms of open and honest conversations... I might think, well, actually, I don't know if they're interested in this. I don't know if this aligns with their values. I don't know if this is something they would like to take on. So it's not going to go their way. Yeah, it's I'd... not front of mind. Exactly. Okay. And so I don't think, obviously, it's easy for me to say this as the person involved in the situation. It might be that I have a bit of a bias because I'm like the, you know, the central character in this narrative. But I personally don't feel as though any of that is guided by my own kind of thoughts feelings opinions it's all guided by what they feed into me and if they're not feeding anything into Mm me then yeah it might not go the way they want it to go but the people that are I will be open to trying to help them achieve whatever it is they want to achieve it's a difficult one because I think people that you spend more time with or you know if you do go for a drink with them you're more likely to feel like you can open up and ask these things whereas if you don't have that like it's when you, like, say you first started a job, you don't know your manager very well, you probably wouldn't say, 
or I want to, like you might not be as open as if you really knew someone like the manager that I had um, before coming into this role now I would literally tell her anything mm. like my whole career plans mm. if I was planning on leaving mm. staying if a job opportunity came up like I would talk through everything so I was very very open and she it would have been front of mind for her yeah you know what I was thinking about doing so whereas if you know she didn't have if they didn't have such a open relationship with other people or didn't mm. see them as often maybe they wouldn't it's not that they're not as qualified for those opportunities that might come up it's just they wouldn't have had the spaces or felt open enough to mention it in the way that I did in such a frank and honest and open way and I don't necessarily recommend blurting all these things <laughs> I was just I'd worked with this person for you know years and I felt comfortable doing so but yeah I think yeah, it's such a complicated thing isn't it I agree in the sense of you have to put yourself in the arena like if you're not mm. I don't know, something is, like, I see people that don't engage in kind of, like, extra work activities, like going for a pub lunch or mm-hmm. going for a walk at lunchtime with a group or even sitting with people or, do you know what I mean? Or, or having, like, water cooler conversations. I see these people that don't do that and don't add any any extra level of engagement over and above the, like, nine to five standard, you know, like, head down at their desks. And I think that's a massively missed opportunity. Like, I know that not everyone is feels massively social or feels comfortable in those situations. But if you're not putting yourself in the arena where these conversations are happening, mm. you're naturally going to miss out. That's the unfortunate fact of it. Ultimately, I hope that if someone does feel like that, they've got a culture where they can speak to their manager about it and try and find ways they can still interact that maybe aren't in some settings that they yeah. feel less comfortable with. But also, I personally think that regular one-to-ones should be a space where you can be as open as you would be on a Thursday night at the pub with your manager. Like, not all the time. It's not always appropriate to open up about everything. But that space should always be an opportunity for those open-ass conversations. And I actually, I've done, as you know, I've done one-to-ones in some weird places. Like, I've done a a one-to-one in McDonald's. I've done a probation review in the pub. Like, I try and take it out of work if I can, if that's appropriate with the person and they feel comfortable with it, because that is what those spaces are, are those open and honest times where you can talk about anything. So the location should reflect that within reason, but, you know, try and incorporate some time. And that can be led by the by the direct report it doesn't have to be led by the manager if they said like oh should we go for a walk for this one-to-one or should mm-hmm. we I don't know should we do it off-site or should we do it yeah. as part of this or can we do it in a different room just switching those things up to bring an element of those environments where you can think a little bit outside the box or have different yeah. conversations I think can be really helpful for it definitely and just sort of briefly bringing this back to the wider discussion around culture just something that I saw the other day about culture in the workplace and particularly in British culture Mm. is a lot of our social activities are based around drinking I know and alcohol I know and it's something that I'm becoming more and more aware of as and having a new person starting my team next week I don't know how they feel about alcohol they may have struggled with alcohol issues in the past yeah I say oh let's all go for a drink down the pub putting the pressure on them to either open up and say oh no actually that's not suitable for me now I'm Having seen that TikTok and just a few things that have popped up recently, I think we could unintentionally exclude people from things. I completely agree. And that's kind of why I said the thing about 
if you're in settings that I like, I completely appreciate there are settings mm. that people won't feel comfortable with or it won't be appropriate for certain people. But equally, I do think, yes, as much of a manager, you need to be sensitive to that. Give people options. Don't make everything centered around one activity. Include, you know, shake mm. things up, add some variety, go for a walk, go to a cafe, go to, I don't know, I was going to say the cinema. Do you go to the cinema? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of other places. The park sounds too creepy. But just like do it outside, go somewhere else. It do, I, I completely appreciate what you're saying and it's so true. Like it does tend to default to the pub because that's where a lot of people can feel what they're most confident or most kind of at ease. Mm. But I hope, that anyone that doesn't feel comfortable with that does, you know, feel that they have the ability to speak up. But equally, as managers, it is our responsibility to make sure that everyone's voice is heard. And if you notice someone deflecting from these activities a lot, it might not be because they don't care or they're not engaged. It might be because there's something deeper going on there that you need to dive into. But that's why I say about having regular one-to-ones. Like, that is the forum for these conversations. If you've noticed someone not engaging with stuff outside of work ask why like mm. check in with them make sure that everything's okay it might not even be that they don't like the pub it might be that they've got a shit home life and they can't they have to be home at five every night because they've got to care for someone or they've got to do something that mm. you know there's all sorts of things that could be going on but that's why i say that having those regular one-to-ones is where those conversations should happen not at the pub mm. But you can do a one-to-one at a pub. I would recommend yeah. <laughs> As someone that does default to drinking, I would recommend it. Yeah. It's just anywhere that allows for an open flow of conversation. It could be literally anywhere. Mm. Yeah. I Have like you that. done a one-to-one in any weird places? No, but I'm tempted to do a walking one-to-one. Yeah, they're good. The only thing is it's challenging to take notes. Mm-hmm. Like if you wanted to take notes of action points. But I think for conversations that are probably just a bit more open, a bit more casual, more personal maybe, they work really, really yeah. well. Yeah, I'll give it a go. I would highly recommend it. You're going to not do one in McDonald's, does that not, not appeal to you? Oh, it's a bit too far. Yeah, oh, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it delivered. Oh, and yeah, we'll great shout. Have one to McDonald's. That's the thing, though. You could do a lunch. You could do, like, whatever. Yeah. Like, incorporating ways to be social yeah. into the nine to five, not just mm. at lunchtime or after work, I yeah. think can be quite good. I think that's another thing that I find really particularly awkward thinking about my the new passenger in my team next week and it's probably not something that all companies um you're experiencing all companies but previous companies that I've worked for we could go for a team lunch of 20 and we'll expense the whole thing nobody's Mm. expected to pick up the bill but the awkward thing that I found joining here is we pick up the bill ourselves this is not it's not oh let's go for a team lunch let's go for a team dinner and this is expense it's it's your time and it's your money yeah and i feel the awkward saying that to them i know saying oh let's go out for lunch by the way you're paying (laughs) yeah i know i would love to and we work for charity it's it's not our you know our place of work being really tight or mean or anything no we're not for profit it's not we it's not appropriate for us to you know necessarily be doing that no but um yeah, welcoming new people in that have worked for large organisations in the past. I'm very aware of, oh, that's awkward. And as a manager, I feel like I should probably just pay for it. I know, that's exactly... I. So we have... Um, my team like to go after dinner quite a lot. Because <laughs> we all really like food. Um, and we've literally tried like all of the restaurants in the local area. Um, which has been great. But I literally every time I felt like should I be paying for this? Like, and it's, you know, it's four people. Like, yeah, I make more money than other people in my team I don't make that much money we work for a charity <laughs> like I can't I can't fork out for 
Mm. four people like three times a month it's just not you know we don't go out for dinner three times a month but you know what I mean um you know that that would be and you feel like the eyes on you like yeah are they aren't they gonna pay yeah exactly yeah so that's something I'm still not quite over yet and so I think for this particular scenario I will just pick up the bill to save the awkwardness will you I think I think so I don't know I think you can buy them a drink or you can Mm. buy them a that's what I've kind of done to like when new people have joined my team or taken them to the pub, I'm very aware, so it makes you sound like an alcoholic now. Um, but because there's just about like 15 pubs in the local area, that's why. Um, it's not because I exclusively go to the pub. Um, and like bought them a drink to say like welcome and you know, this is very nice. But I probably wouldn't do a whole, like I'm not going to pay for everyone's lunch yeah. or for everyone to go out and do that. I don't necessarily think it's appropriate. Yeah. I don't want to set that expectation either. Like if yeah. the first time you do it, and then, and then it's like, think, okay. Oh, was that on the Where's your card? card? Yeah. Like, did she expense that? Did she not? Maybe I just ask, can I expense a team lunch? Yeah. Maybe I do. I don't know what the, like... Don't know that's... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I would love to know if you can, because if so, I need, like, a great many back payments. <laughs> I'll take that by backs. <laughs> PayPal me <laughs> for that. I hope your new person joining goes well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the culture changes, if it changes, yeah. the dynamic in the team. Yeah, they're going to come in and shake it up. Oh, I'm sure, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they'll fit into the team really nicely, actually, and I think we'll all be grateful for the extra pair of pants. Definitely, I'm sure you will. So we've talked a lot today about um, setting culture, knowing what you want your team's culture to be, the importance of really strong connections, and knowing when things don't go to plan, how to set boundaries, and make sure that you are always keeping yourself in a really good position, always trusted and respected by members of your team. So I hope everyone has found this conversation useful today. It is my turn to share learning this week. And this is a little bit of a cop out. You're probably sensing a theme with some of mine, but I thought it was really important to follow up because in our last episode, we talked about mental health and how to keep yourself well at work and things that you can do to check in with your team and with yourself to make sure that you are always feeling um, your best or if you're not feeling your best as knowing that you're just a really supported and well looked after. So um, we talked in that episode about the importance of saying, how are you twice? Which actually is something I've seen quite a lot on LinkedIn since. We didn't start that because the episode hasn't come out yet, but I've seen it quite a lot. Um, I would like to say that we recorded that episode prior to it exploding on LinkedIn. Um, But the importance of not making how are you part of the small talk. You know, it's something separate. It's a conversation that deserves its own space to breathe. So in my last one-to-one, I hope my direct report doesn't mind me sharing this, I asked how are you twice. So I asked it, First at the beginning, because I'm always like, are you all right? How are you doing? Like, it's my, it's my opening gambit. That's how I start. I can't change it. But then about halfway through, I asked, how are you again? As part of a slightly separate conversation of, you yeah. know, we kind of talked about work and it was like, right, how are you? And like, my, my intonation was different, everything. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm really asking now, how are you? Yeah. And my God, the difference between when I asked the first time and I asked the second time. The first time it was like, I'm fine, everything's great, it's going really well, this is great. The second time, literally the complete opposite. Like, it was such a... Um, I won't share, obviously, what we talked about, but, like, the, the reactions couldn't have been more different. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the difference in giving it a bit more space and more yeah. time and more consideration, we had the opportunity to have a conversation that we wouldn't have had if I hadn't asked again. Yeah. 
Mm. And yeah, another time maybe it would have, you know, I would have had the same reaction both times. They might have just thought that I had forgot to ask the first time. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not always going to get that reaction. And hopefully you don't always need to have, you know, conversations that are more mm-hmm. emotional or more personal. But it was a real moment to me of thinking, wow, okay, I need to keep doing this. Past yeah. mental health awareness week, month, whatever it is, like this needs to carry on. Mm-hmm. We need to ask, how are you twice? Yeah. Three times, four times, like as many times as you need to, to get the answer that is really there. Mm. Yeah. We're talking about team cultures where you can be open and can have really free-flowing communication. I think this is a really nice way to start to cultivate that if that's something that you struggle with in your team. So what's next? We will be back in a fortnight with a brand new episode. But in the meantime, please follow us on Instagram at New Managers Club to make sure you don't miss anything between episodes. We'll be sharing plenty of resources, tips and videos on how to keep your leadership skills at their absolute tip top. Also, please subscribe to this podcast to make sure you're up to date. And you can also leave us a rating and review if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We cannot wait to see you in our next episode. But until then, bye for now. Bye.